This week, I heard this story from somebody in our church community about their dad. And he had been an army officer in the Second World War. And he served in, in North, North Africa and in Italy. And he was in an anti-aircraft unit. So he was a person who would trail a little bit behind the front lines. And in Italy, as his unit would advance, they would come across the bodies of Italian soldiers who had prayer cards and rosary beads in their, in their jackets. And he was a Roman Catholic Christian, just like them. And, and even though he knew that they would have shot each other on sight, they worshipped the same God. They served nations that were at war with one another. And all, all of these men served their nations. The nations that they just happened to be born in. Yes, war has greater causes. It, there are things happening. We don't, we don't go to war on a whim, but war happens and it degrades humanity into killing one another. Declaring that one side, one or one side or one cause to be righteous. And those in military service serve. There's an old story. I've been kind of on a Shakespeare jag lately. And there's an old story in Shakespeare. He told like this. It was in Henry V. Henry V disguised himself at night to walk among his soldiers to get their frame of mind before the great battle of Agincourt. And this scene finds the disguised king defending his cause to two of his soldiers. Methinks I could not die anywhere so contented as in the king's company, his cause being just and his quarrel honorable. That's more than we know. Aye, or more than we should seek after, for we know enough if we know we are the king's subjects. If his cause be wrong, our obedience to the king wipes the crime of it out of us. But if the cause be not good, the king himself hath a heavy reckoning to make, and all those legs and arms and heads chopped off in battle shall join together at the latter day and cry all, we die at such a place. Some screaming. <clears throat> Some crying for a surgeon. Some upon their wives left poor behind them. Some upon the debts they owe. Some upon their children rawly left. I'm afeard there are few die well that die in a battle. For how can the charity be disposed of anything when blood is their argument? Now, if these men do not die well, it'll be a black matter for the king that led them to it. I... There isn't a soul with half a mind who has seen the effects of war and hasn't recognized themselves in the face of their enemy. We have long held that our obedience to king and country wipes out the crime, the sin wipes it out of us, that we are made righteous in our own minds by obedience to a cause. Do you believe that? Years ago, I was asked to preach a sermon on Judas. And I haven't done that until today. 
Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus' location on a Passover night so that he could be arrested and then tried. Judas. His name is synonymous with betrayal. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus said, The Son of Man goes to his death, just as it is written about him. But how terrible it is for the person who betrays the Son of Man. It would have been better for him if he had not, never been born. In Dante's Inferno, which is not in the Bible, Judas is sentenced to the ninth circle of hell, the lowest level reserved for traitors. People have wondered over the century, they have imagined what terrible thing befell Judas for doing what he was destined to do. Later that night, as Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, Judas arrived as predicted. Judas, one of the twelve, came with a mob carrying swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests, legal experts, and elders. His betrayer had given them a sign, arrest the man I kiss, and take him away under guard. As soon as he got there, Judas said to Jesus, Rabbi, and then he kissed him. Then they came and grabbed Jesus and arrested him. One of the bystanders drew a sword and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. Jesus responded, Have you come with swords and clubs to arrest me like an outlaw? Day after day I was with you, teaching in the temple, but you didn't arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And all his disciples left him and ran away. Jesus predicted his death. He believed that his betrayal and that his death were necessary for humanity to see that death, the worst thing, is never going to be the last thing. God proclaims in grace that light and life in this world will never be overcome, cannot be overcome. It is forgiveness and it is not judgment that will have the final say. Now humanity, we may choose a degraded path of slaughtering one another and self-justifying along the way, but we will never destroy the vision of peace that is planted in this world, that is planted in our very souls. But make no mistake, the darkness will try. The darkness will try to convince us that we are on the righteous side, or at, at least on the, the winning side, and then claim ourselves as righteous. But here's the hard truth. We're not the king. We're caught up in situations that are beyond our control. How many mass shootings have occurred because a white man wanted to spark a race war to overthrow the government? How many of those have happened these last few years? 
And as a white man, I'm going to tell you, I've not been invited to any of the planning sessions. And yet those sessions are clearly happening. Even though I fit the demographic. So I, along the way, benefit from the effects of white male supremacy. I benefit tacitly from just being identified as white male. What does that mean? Families get into all sorts of conflict too. They get in, you want to know the family, the one I see all the time? Inheritances. Families will tear themselves up over inheritances. Or, this never happens to any of you, who's the favorite? There's all sorts of drama, and in every one of them, every person is convinced that they have the right of it, that their cause is righteous. Recently, I was talking with somebody who was telling me about how angry their sister was at them. And I, I had not even, I don't know her. I hadn't even heard her side of it. But as I listened to him describe the situation, I had this voice in my head thinking, your sister has a point. I, I think you're wrong here. I think you're really wrong here. So I, I encouraged him to give it some time and give it some prayer and find a way to reconcile. Well, that didn't happen. A few weeks later, he, he, my friend Kami told me that he had thought about it long and hard, prayed about it, and he was convinced that it was all her. I love him. But I gotta tell you, in talking with him, it was like the word self-righteous were just blaring on his forehead. All of us find ourselves in situations where we make decisions that hurt other people. Every soldier in the history of humanity, every parent, everyone who works with other people, everyone, you will do something that another person will regard as a betrayal or hurtful. And I, and I love it when people then come back at you and they call it unchristian because they want to play in your guilt. I love it when they do that. You do it. I do it. And, and then we wrap ourselves up in self-righteousness. We explain it to ourselves. We go through that script in our minds. We explain it to ourselves in a million different ways. And even if we are entirely correct in our reasoning, that still doesn't mean that someone wasn't hurt because of something you did. Jesus. Jesus condemned people for trampling on the poor and the sick. He condemned that action and the people who would do it. He condemned them for their actions, even if their actions were justified by the law, because he stood for a higher law. He condemned people for their actions. Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. 
I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you, then God will answer. I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. There's a couple things about that scripture. It's very popular in our tradition, but we only tend to tell part of the story. We tend to, to edit the part of the eternal punishment. Also in that scripture, those people, the unrighteous, they're not unrighteous for something they did, but something they didn't do. It's hard. Because who could stand, really? Who could be righteous? Now, after Jesus would condemn people for their actions. Now, I'm going to just going to tell you something that after, after a condemnation like that, you don't go home singing, Jesus loves me. They went home angry. Jesus hurt people's feelings, made them feel bad about themselves. And we don't like to feel bad about ourselves. So we self-justify. We don't need... Jesus, we don't need God or anyone telling us that we're not good people. <clears throat> Judas was destined to betray Jesus. Jesus knew it. You are destined to hurt people too. By your actions or maybe even your inactions. Can you recognize yourself in the face of Judas. You can come up with whatever way you want to atone for the hurt you cause, whatever penance seems right to you, in order to declare yourself forgiven. But being human, being human means that you're destined to hurt people. And all the self-justification self in the world won't change that. I cry out to you from the depths, Lord. My Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears pay close attention to my request for mercy. If you kept track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who would stand a chance? But forgiveness is with you. Who would stand a chance? I've hurt people, usually unintentionally, but sometimes not. And I know that if God keeps a record of it all, that none stand a chance. And it is only, it is only by the promise of grace, of forgiveness that I don't deserve, that I can find a sense of peace is trusting that no matter what I've done or what I'm destined to do, God will look at me as a child of God that I am 
and offer me forgiveness again and again and again. That same grace is there for you. And for those that we really hate, for our enemies, and perhaps even for the Judases. Can you believe that? Please rise.